0: You always say, oh, with internet trolls, I'm like, ah, oh, whatever, I don't care. Yeah,
1: certain things you just, I don't understand. It would break me down. But, but I
0: think there are certain kinds of people mm-hmm. where it really means something to me. It means something to me if my wife's family likes me. Mm-hmm. It means something to me if somebody who takes the time to invest in our morning show right. makes that investment. Aside and I, from the trolls. <laughs> aside, yeah, F them.
1: <laughs> they invest, Brian, but uh, I don't know if it's a good investment. <laughs>
0: Well, it is an anniversary of sorts. This is episode 52 of Coping on the Couch with Courtney and Brian, which means it is our year anniversary It is, and the end of season one with season two ready to start next week. So congratulations, (laughs) Courtney Kelly.
1: Oh, thank you. I survived a year with Brian.
0: (laughs) Some would think you'd need your own licensed mental health therapist. Thank God that you are one of those. And of course, I am a longtime mental health patient, and I can't believe we gone a year without doing an entire episode on this. I mean, we've kind of been to the periphery with yeah. it, but it is essentially my kryptonite. Mm-hmm. It is social anxiety. And I can tell you, for people who do not suffer from that, it can be absolutely debilitating. Mm-hmm. And that might sound absurd to people who have not experienced it. And I guess I would say the best way that I can describe it is, in terms of what it feels like. Let's just say you haven't had it treated and you have to walk into a situation where it starts hitting you. The kind of work that you have to do to get yourself through it, I would compare it to an extremely vigorous workout. You know Mm -hmm. you're going to get your butt kicked at the gym and you start getting that knot in your stomach because you know you're in for a rough day and it takes maximum effort. It is exhausting. And by the time it's through, a lot of people say, oh, I feel better after the workout problem is after social anxiety you really don't feel better you feel relieved that it's over Mm -hmm. but then you're playing it in your head what did I do wrong how did I come off the wrong way and that's really what social anxiety is it is the fear of humiliating yourself Mm -hmm. it is the fear of not living up to expectations and as we've said with many things I think its origins are rooted in childhood Mm -hmm. and unintentionally my parents they saw that I was a shy kid and they would start hammering me, and they thought the solution was to just throw me into the fire a lot to of get times. You out there, yeah. And they had very high expectations about me in a lot of different areas. And when things would go wrong, I would hear about it. And a lot of times, when I would throw myself out in public, invariably as a kid too, you get bullied and all those mm-hmm. other things, which makes you fear all of this stuff even more. And God forbid, if you did have something really embarrassing happen to you at a young age, like when I split my husky pants on the <laughs> first day of school
1: oh no yeah and
0: had to deal with that for an entire mm-hmm. day it is just a combination of all of those things but the good news is there are ways to work around it as with all things and will I ever tell you Courtney that I'm perfect at it I compared it to that workout earlier how I have to put in a lot of work to get through it mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that I do now because I have some tools but you know how you have to stretch before a workout yeah. that's kind of what I have to do I have to prepare myself to get ready for, and it's not even complete and total strangers. If I'm with people that I know and I love and I'm with them all the time, I'm perfectly Mm -hmm. comfortable. But it can even be a blood relative that I don't see that much. It can even start with something like that.
1: Well, I know you had said, and I want to give you credit, going out with your wife, going out with the family, to family events. You've had to put time limits, but Mm -hmm. I was actually proud of you because I think you said like three hours? Three hours to me. That's actually really good for somebody she with social anxiety. She would love
0: six or seven, six or seven right.
1: <laughs> but I would love
0: an hour. <laughs> so I feel like three mm-hmm. is fair. And to be honest with you, very rarely is it three yeah. because as I've told you before it'll start to get to be 245 and I'm like
1: <laughs> and she's like
0: and I she'll say yeah, can I just have one more <laughs> cup of coffee and I'm like that cup of coffee is going to last an hour <laughs> I hate that cup of coffee and I really do at that point even with
1: all of the training I've had I mm-hmm. start to feel like I'm going to jump out of my skin Right. no word of a lie but like I said I give you credit because that is a pretty good span of time for somebody mm-hmm. with social anxiety you've had to work at it and Very also you look so. at the bigger picture of. You want her to be happy. Right. You know you do have certain social obligations. Not and just about me. And not only that,
0: too. If you don't go to the other side of the family's things, I've had this happen to me before. Mm-hmm. Well, he must hate us. And then they start having theories about oh. you. And that's not good for
1: business when mm-hmm. they don't realize it has nothing right. to do with them at all. And that's the thing. This affects so many people. I was looking up some of the statistics. 15 million people deal with this as adults. And it really does the onset is usually in the teen years. Yeah. It's interesting because a parent can parent multiple kids the same way, right. but yet kids come out differently. Some kids are born more sensitive and some they just look at the world differently. My brother and myself both disasters but right. this <laughs> department I would not say disasters. Yeah, Pretty similar close. but having similar struggles mm-hmm. with that. So it's interesting they said some of the parenting styles can affect kids in that way. Also if you've had loss, adverse life events, bullying, humiliation, stuff like that. And genetics plays a role in this, too. I believe that. So all of these things coming together in certain moments that define us in life that we reflect back on that were really impactful, sometimes in positive ways, sometimes in negative ways. And this can all feed into somebody having a higher risk of having social anxiety. And really, yeah, like you said, it comes down to feeling judged, feeling that people are thinking certain things about you that may or may not be true. This is what we do in therapy. We try to help you with your thought patterns around it. But really interesting how you can take that to heart and how it can really affect. So many areas of your life, right? It affects work, affects social life, affects relationships.
0: Everything. Mm-hmm. It affects absolutely everything. It affects even my doorbell ringing. I do mm-hmm. the Sebastian Maniscalco thing. I don't right. want to answer it. I don't want people to know that I'm home. I don't want to talk to anybody. When Did the phone somebody rings. somebody
1: invite somebody over? Like what's happening? Yeah. I don't like
0: talking on the phone. Yeah. I mean, I talk about how we split the chores around the house and anything that involves a phone being picked up, my Mm -hmm. wife does it because I just feel so uncomfortable and I will do virtually anything else. And I pretty much do. I wish it had found its way to me in my teens, but it Mm -hmm. started so young Courtney. And I think one of the other landmark moments that I think for most parents would have been very proud for them and my mom, in retrospect, kind of rude this day. I suppose I was fortunate enough. They thought I was... Was a bright kid, Mm -hmm. and I got moved up a grade from second into third. Mm -hmm. And for the rest of my childhood, I was the youngest one in the class. Mm -hmm. I felt like I had to kind of socially keep up with everybody else. And it's not that I took a ton of abuse about it, but these were people who, for a couple of years, were together. And I'm trying to shimmy my way in. And there were certain things that I couldn't do when other people were doing them. For example, I couldn't drive. A lot of my Mm -hmm. friends were driving before I was driving. A lot of my friends were going through puberty before I was going through puberty. A lot Mm -hmm. of my friends were dating before I was dating and I just always felt behind the eight ball and you just constantly put all kinds of pressure on yourself and then the very weird thing which resulted, which we have touched on in the past is the fact that I essentially became a performer putting myself in a position where I'm in front of strangers all the time and a lot of times we talk about how that's easier because there's a distance, there's an audience that's away from you. You're Mm -hmm. talking. They're not. You're in control of the situation. However, we work at a radio station. We have to make public appearances. And to this day, that still is difficult for me. And especially because there are certain comedic expectations that people have of me. I also don't want people to catch me in a bad moment. I told you a story, I think a couple of months ago, that my wife and I had just come from the gym. We looked disgusting. We were trying to figure out something for dinner. We were fighting about it. a supermarket and I look up and there's a horrified mom and a young daughter with their eyes as wide as dinner plates I'm like excuse me we hate to interrupt you but we're big fans of your show and for the rest of the day I was mortified because I thought oh my god they had this image of who I am and how I am and all of these other things and here I am looking like crap I'm yelling at my wife (laughs) over the stupidest thing in the world (laughs) and this is going to be their impression of me and I think at the end end of the day, that is the thing, how you were coming off to other people, which in most ways, in a lot of weird ways, doesn't bother me, mm-hmm. but in other ways, it does. I guess I should say, because you always say, oh, with internet trolls, I'm like, oh,
1: whatever, I don't care. Yeah, certain things you just, I don't understand. It would break me down. But, but I think there are certain
0: kinds of people mm-hmm. where it really means something to me. It means something to me if my wife's family likes me. It mm-hmm. means something to me if somebody who takes the time to invest in our morning show right. makes that Investment aside and from I, the trolls, <laughs> aside, yeah, F them, <laughs> they invest, Brian.
1: But uh, I don't know if it's a good investment, yeah.
0: <laughs> but yeah, I mean, even just friends. I've talked about making wedding toasts, the pressure mm-hmm. that I put on myself with that. Anytime that I
1: walk outside of my door, I can feel that yeah. pit in my stomach. And that's the thing, it's a lot about the expectation that you have and the story you're telling yourself and these beliefs. And that's the stuff that we in counseling, and I'm sure in therapy that you've been in, those are the things that that we kind of shine a light on. Like, where is this coming from? What's this belief? Maybe these are unrealistic expectations Mm -hmm. to have that 24-7, you're going to be presentable and you're going to be in perfect form all the time. No, we have real lives. We kind of have arguments with people. We look bad after the gym, whatever we have to be a little easier on ourselves. And I know for you in your brain, a lot of it is, well, I got this far cause I'm hard on myself. And if I'm easy on myself, then that means I'm not going to get certain things done or have certain success. So we look at that and we say, is that true? And that's what the CBT, the cognitive behavioral therapy, that's what we do. We look at people's cognitions, how it makes them feel and what's the behaviors that come from that. And that's kind of how we work through social anxiety.
0: I so wish I was less hard on myself, mm-hmm. but it's a very difficult thing for me to overcome, I just remembered one of the most recent moments in which I was the most horrified I went to a surprise party recently, and it was for, boy, is this a whole big mess that I have to explain here. I was married to somebody else once. Mm -hmm. I've stayed very friendly with certain members of their family. There was a surprise party for an aunt of my ex-wife. It was at the business of somebody who listens to our radio show because they have done some work together. So I walk into that room with my current wife and with this person coming, who my wife knows her and loves her too. There's no mm-hmm. problems. My wife and my ex-wife, they get along splendidly. Mm-hmm. But I walk into that room with the listeners. So I'm nervous about that. People I haven't met before, nervous about that. I turn the corner. There is another aunt of my ex-wife and her husband who I haven't seen in years. So as I turn that corner, they have never met my wife. And I remembered the aunt's name, but I couldn't remember the name of the husband, which mm-hmm. would have been such a bad look. Now in a position where I can't introduce my current wife, Wife, who they have not met to the two of them, because I don't want to look like a big giant dummy. You can already understand the level of anxiety. I literally had to just kind of fumble around, talk about something else, go walk away and talk to somebody else, praying to the universe please let me remember this person's name. Thank God I did. Then I had to pull my wife over because I knew she was getting mad that I didn't introduce her. And I said, I can't introduce you right now. I can't remember his name and that would look so bad. I knew this guy for 15 years. That's all I could think of. When <laughs> the night was say? over and I finally did go over and say, oh, this is, and everyone yeah. else seemed to be fine. Mm-hmm. I beat myself up over that right. one for days.
1: And the thing is, you're 50, Brian. You're going to forget some things. I'm 50 years old. <laughs> and I'm I <laughs> Oh, I can and kick and stretch but I forget but I can't remember your names <laughs> <laughs> see that's the funny thing about you is like you can come up with these jokes that people it comes out of left field and people think oh my gosh how does he think of that but in that moment how you didn't think just to say ah oh! 50 and I can't remember your name and like make a joke out of it. Well,
0: I had another traumatic experience on that front. Yeah, When I was working at another radio station with somebody else, we would arrive at a certain time and this is kind of similar with the ex-wives thing. There was this guy who my then current partner used to have a show with this other guy on this station as a matter of fact. And I would see him every single day. So I'm out on a date one day at a Chili's and I hear the thing that strikes fear into my heart more than anything else. Brian, because I know I'm going to turn around and either I'm not going to know who this person is or I'm not going to remember their name or their face. And there is this gentleman with his entire family, the wife, the kids, extended family and everything else. I'm with the girlfriend. This person has never met. I have no idea who he is. I'm trying to figure it out. I am fumbling and bumbling and stumbling. And finally, I just had to say... I don't know who you are. And he said, I'm the guy that you see every morning when you walk into work who co-hosted with your current host, who you have known for a couple of years. Now, the thing was, it was out of context. We're always very tired when we first walk into Mm -hmm. work. He was a little bit more dressed up. He was with his family. He never let me live it down in a good natured way. (laughs) Every time I would see him after that, I'd be like, hi, I don't know if we've ever met. I'm like, all right,
1: douchebag, I know. That is funny though. though. But
0: I was so horrified. And even my girlfriend at the time was like, wow, that was really bad. (laughs) But it's those things where it's like, I can't just walk that off because (laughs) I just know that I'm going to hear about it. And people know that I try to be funny. So they try to give me the business about stuff like
1: that. Usually I don't care if people make fun of me, but that one kind of hits my Achilles heel because
0: it's playing into all of the problems and the issues that I have.
1: Well, because you're so self-conscious about certain things and you're so conscious to try to be. 110% at everything. So Mm -hmm. with that, yes. But it's one of those moments in life where it's just precious. It's like, oh my gosh, how did that even happen? And I've had some of those too. So I can relate to that where you're just mortified and horrified and people, even one of my bad ones where our mutual friend Jeff had said, I can't wait to tell people this story. They're not going to believe you did that. (laughs) You know, Stuff like that where you're like, oh my gosh. But then I think, okay, it was entertainment value for someone. But yeah, it's amazing getting back to like how you cope with this. It's so important to figure out ways to cope. And I think... Using your humor to help you cope with some of this stuff and saying, I'm not going to be perfect. I'm going to fall on my face sometimes. And that's the way it is. And I can't prevent it all the time because the risk of developing, and you know this, depression mm-hmm. from social anxiety is so high also a lot of people develop issues with alcohol because what does alcohol do? It tries to take off some of the edge so that you can be more social and feel a little more comfortable. I'll say two things. Humor is the ultimate defense mechanism
0: for me. Mm -hmm. I've made a career out of it, so thanks mom and dad. (laughs) And I will also say that one of the things that I did with my first wife when she started to tell me that relatives of her would say, I don't know what his deal is. Mm -hmm. He can be funny up on stage. He can be funny on the radio. He can write for these famous comedians, but he won't say a word to us. He must not like us Mm. so her suggestion was why don't you have a couple of glasses of wine when you get there and that's what I did and I was like wow, mm. this is some magic potion for this. This is actually working. Well, after a couple of years, what's a couple of glasses yeah. of wine? That ain't nothing. Right. Now maybe I got to do a shot with that couple mm-hmm. of glasses of wine. Now I start drinking to the point where maybe I'm going to embarrass her or embarrass
1: myself. So you have right. to be very careful with that. And it's such a big emphasis because I see it over and over again with people like, oh, I just feel more comfortable. Well, that's a slippery slope to be going down. So really, if people are noticing that, and we've done an episode on little bit too much drinking and especially with everything with the pandemic and stuff like that people can listen up to that but yeah it's really important that if you do have some of these feelings or you know someone around you I think Brian you're giving people a lot of great insight to say hey maybe that guy has this side of him that is shy but also beyond that because people say oh they're kind of shy but this is beyond that when you have social phobia or social anxiety but I think you're giving them a peek into your world and maybe somebody out there is listening that say oh yeah I have a friend that kind of does that and I wonder why that keeps happening or they feel insulted like you said other people might feel insulted about you not being able to be on all of the time.
0: Well I think here's the other problem people out there a lot of people who are strangers essentially feel Mm -hmm. like they know me and they hear a version of me on the radio or they see a version of me up on a stage and I come off as very gregarious and outgoing and even though I joke all the time how I just want to be left alone nobody thinks it applies to them so they feel like in real life I'm just as engaging and I am am this person that they hear or see, when in reality, I'm not. I'm that little kid cowering, shaking in Mm -hmm. the corner, but I'm just hiding it very well professionally. And I think one of the game changers for me, if I can give people advice, a day that I think it really turned around was, I started taking a public speaking class in mm-hmm. college, and I was terrified of public speaking. We've talked about this before. They have asked people, what is the thing that scares you the most yeah. in life? <laughs> number one is public speaking, and number two is death. That's how scared <laughs> that of public speaking about, yeah. people are. I happened to be in a class with a lot of my fellow communications majors who knew me well. I was comfortable with them. Mm-hmm. I made them laugh, and as I was able to get up in front of them, I would do a lot of humorous talks and I would get laughs. And it got to the point that I started getting excited to go in the class to see what kind of laughs I could get Mm -hmm. and how I could work them into it. I eventually expanded that to, well, what if I got up in front of people that I didn't know? Mm -hmm. Would I have an ability to make them laugh? Now I say that they don't interact, but there is the fear that you're going to meet with silence or produce being hurled at you, (laughs) glass (laughs) bottles, things of that nature. But eventually when I saw that I could, Do that, I started to get a little bit more confidence. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes, too, I realized. In hanging around with other comedians, the guy who's on all the time is the most annoying guy in the room. So don't put that pressure on yourself to have to be this likable, funny person all Mm -hmm. of the time. And then when it came time for me, this is when I really realized that I had kind of fixed myself in a lot of ways because I took this and I applied it to my everyday life. I had to teach my wife. She had a career change which put her in front of people and she was terrified of giving talks Mm -hmm. and she asked me, how do you do it? What is your secret? And I said, what you really need to realize is no one is as invested in your talk as you are. And as a matter of fact, if you really look around, about 65% of the people there aren't even listening to you. Mm -hmm. They're looking at their phone, they're staring into space, and every single word to you is just like, oh my God, if I stumble, if I this, if I that, they're not even noticing. So right there, that takes an awful lot of pressure off of you. And in teaching her that, and that's what really worked for her. Mm -hmm. And I said, if anything, you've got to find a way to draw them in. That becomes the challenge, and that becomes the focus. I started to realize it's not that different in everyday life. Mm -hmm. When I'm out in public, not everyone's like, all right, what's Mulhern going to do next? How is he going to screw up? How is he going to let me down? Everybody else is also kind of in their own world and in their own mind. Mm -hmm. And unless you do something just so ridiculous, like say, for example, forget the name, face, and (laughs) everything of somebody that you see every day for two years in front of his family. Awesome story,
1: though. Awesome story. It is for the purposes of the podcast, I suppose.
0: You're going to be just fine. And people are not going to be focusing on that interaction for the rest of their day. It's like when I'm with somebody on the radio who hasn't been on for a long time and they mess up and I always say, it's radio, nobody died. And I say, you're going to be beating yourself up for the rest of the day. And nobody who heard it is even going to think about it once. Mm -hmm. And that's how I have to approach real life now. And to anybody who is struggling with this, that's the first step into calming yourself down and realizing that the spotlight isn't on you. 24 hours Mm -hmm. a day, seven days a week.
1: Right. And like you said, you worry about you way more than other people are worried about you. They're not sitting at home going, I wonder what that was all about. (laughs) They're really not. It's very interesting. And you point out a good thing. I was going to say a couple of the coping is taking some of those small challenges. And that's what you did when you took the class. Mm -hmm. And then from there, you were like, okay, if I can do it in front of people that know me and I feel more confident, can I now do something in front of people who don't know me and expand that and really reframe the stress. So that was stressful to get up there. But what you did was you reframe it into excitement. Like how do I make mm-hmm. them laugh? And for me, when I get up in front of people and I get really nervous, I try to take it off of me and I try to think about what is it that they need? I'm just kind of the instrument that it's just You're a vessel, through. Courtney. Yes. It's not about me. And when I can do that, I stop saying, oh my God, what are they going to say about my hair? And how do I look? And blah, 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 blah. <laughs> or I just get up there and go, oh my gosh, I'm so nervous. What's up? I will just throw it out there and that helps me a lot to be able to cut through some of that stuff. But really, yeah, taking those challenges, avoiding the negative coping and doing the positive coping, do some of the relaxation. And like you said, challenging those negative thoughts. Are they really true? They really won't hold up. Once you shine a light on those negative thoughts, you really start to see that maybe I'm just taking this way too seriously and I'm beating myself up way too much.
0: Well, I think one thing that set me back to was a piece of comedic advice that I had received from none other than Jay Leno. And this has to do with being a public figure. I'm quasi that mm-hmm. and also being somebody funny. And if you meet a complete stranger who is a fan of you, he always talks about the rule of 10, that if somebody has a good experience with you, they're going to tell 10 people what a nice guy that Brian Mulhern is, how funny and endearing he was, what mm-hmm. a great experience. And then those 10 people might tell another 10 people, but if they catch you on a bad day and they have a really bad experience with you, they're going to tell 10 people and those people are going to tell another 10 people. And when I get into that mindset, that's when I start going down the Mm -hmm. wrong rabbit hole. But what I needed to realize is I have to set my expectations in a reasonable place when it comes to something like that. Mm -hmm. I don't have to put on the ultimate show. I don't have to have the best possible day in front of that person. I just need to be polite and kind, Mm -hmm. and that's enough. And if you can lessen the amount of pressure that you're putting on yourself in some way, you're going to make it a lot easier on yourself. And I say this all the time, too, to people who I've just met, some of my biggest heroes in my life, and they're like, what did you do? What did you say? And I say, nothing. I did nothing. (laughs) And you know why? Because if they remember you, it's usually a bad thing. So what I'm trying to tell you is don't try too hard. Mm -hmm. Whether you're meeting somebody that you respect or somebody is meeting you and they have an expectation, don't feel like you have to give them that 140% Mm -hmm. show. Lower your expectations and
1: pressures in that way and you're going to feel a lot better about it. Because that's really, that is very pressure filled when you feel like all the time you have to be perfect and on and Mm -hmm. oh my gosh. But yeah, a little bit of sense of humor with it, having some fun with it. I think that's the thing that really moves it forward. If you see somebody and you make a joke about it, like, oh, I guess you're watching us discuss our little dinner problem here. Whatever, like making a joke about whatever the issue is that's going on, making light of it, that can really help and break some of that tension.
0: And as with anything, when it comes to mental health issues, to those of you who do not struggle with this, lucky you, first of all, Mm -hmm. and I'm glad that you don't. But if you have somebody in your life who does, do not minimize it. Mm -hmm. Do not tell them it's silly. Do not tell them to grow a pair. All of these other things. You're not helping. There are two areas in my life where I literally have to work because I'm hardwired this way. And that is to work around my social anxiety and to work around my negativity. I had a bad day yesterday. In the middle of it I had to say to Courtney, Courtney, I'm being a jackass. I'm sorry. I need to stop doing this. And that takes effort. And a lot of Mm -hmm. times when I'm negative, people just think that I do it just to do it. I'm not doing it just to do it. I'm doing it because it's who I am. Am I proud of it? No. It takes some effort and I'm not going to be perfect all the time and I have to be able to forgive myself Mm -hmm. and also alert other people and apologize Mm -hmm. when I know that I'm doing the wrong thing when it comes to social anxiety, when it comes to negativity. But don't tell me that you can't stand me because I'm so negative. (laughs) That's like saying, I can't stand you because you breathe. There's nothing that I can do. It's (laughs) a part of who I am. Mm -hmm. I can breathe with my mouth open and heavy, (laughs) or I can breathe in through the nose and the mouth, do it gently. Mm -hmm. I'm making adjustments when it comes to those things. And please, if anybody has anything about them that bothers you, that is a mental health issue, just try to understand it and say to yourself, thank God that I don't have that. And how can I help that person Mm -hmm. with that? And you'll make it a lot easier on that person. Right.
1: Absolutely. And separating that out, the issues, saying, okay, well, these are some of the things that you deal with, but this is not the essence of the person. There's so many other things mm-hmm. about the person that we love. Definitely, there's so much help out there, too. I mean, this is something that's very common that we help people with, dealing with their anxiety anxiety around other people, and how this can start triggering depression, too. That's when we get concerned. It's very related. You start mm-hmm. having mood issues, and like I said, some negative coping. So I think it's really important to get some resources. We have resources up on the Wellness Wednesday page at catcountry.com, but also any supports that you have around you. There's support groups, there's all sorts of stuff online, but also therapy too, because like I said, we can help you with CBT, we can help you with restructuring how you're thinking, we can help you with relaxation. There's all sorts of techniques that can make your life so much easier.
0: And off of the therapy thing, talk about it. I can Mm -hmm. even say in doing this today that I feel as if a huge burden has come off of me to be able to explain it to other people, to hope that maybe I have enlightened somebody, Mm -hmm. to hope that maybe I've opened some eyes and that somebody might say, okay, okay, here's what I need to do to better myself. And one of the coping things that you sent was try to do a good deed for somebody. Force yourself into that. And this Mm -hmm. is kind of an offshoot of that that's going to make you feel like I have used this thing about me, Mm -hmm. this imperfection for good in some way. To
1: be in service to others for that. And so that does actually really help to feel more connected because that's the ultimate thing. Some people need a ton of friends and like Carla, she might need a lot more socialization than you do. I love how you frame it in that way. People <laughs> well, uh-huh. no, I'm the ultimate recluse. She's yeah. addicted to people. It's true. It's somehow we have to find that balance. It's funny though, through the pandemic, of course, the introverts were doing a lot better and the extroverts were like, mm-hmm. ah. but they've also shown that the introverts and you admitted it, that you might actually want to be social a little bit at a concert because they're saying some of the introverts are like, okay, even that was a really, really. <laughs> oh, with really everything, there's a line. Yes. And I tell people, everybody's got a different amount. It's on a scale, but we We all need a little bit of that. So even just to challenge yourself in small ways to have a little bit of socialization can be very helpful. Sometimes people tend to just shut all that down and be very isolative, and that can be really unhealthy.
0: Courtney, if people want to check in with you and socialize,
1: how may they do that? You can shoot me an email, wellness at WCTK.com. And you can also, like I said, come and check out our resources, Wellness Wednesday page, catcountry.com.
0: And please tell everybody how awesome I am. I will. (laughs) So they can tell 10 people.
1: And so on, and so on, and so (laughs) on.
0: And so you can create an unreasonable (laughs) expectation so that when they finally do meet me, they will be nothing but let down heard you were off. <laughs> <laughs> She's so full of crap. Well, hopefully we delivered here episode 52 as we yeah. close out season one. And of course, when it comes to Coping on the Couch with Courtney and Brian, you can catch us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Lips, And Somebody was asking you just yeah, the other day. I sent them the link. Smart devices as well. And then the socials at Cat Country Mornings. Brian Mulhern for my individual pages. Courtney Kelly and Courtney Kelly Bedard for yours. Time to get up off the couch. Boy, yeah. it's just kind of a long one. Oof. Speaking of getting up and stretching and doing all that stuff. I can kick. I can
1: stretch. I'm (laughs) fifty,
0: And that's episode
1: 52. We'll see you next week for
0: 53. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. I want to talk about